The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Let's get to it. Hail Varsity Radio on a Tuesday presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark is in. And uh, welcome. We will dive into full Nebraska-Ohio State. We will talk about job security. We'll talk about what we need to see moving forward uh, with Nebraska football. All that and uh, phone lines for you can join us today on Hale Varsity Radio. Numbers 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to get in. Get email chris at halevarsity.com. And uh, be sure to find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt. And then Connor Clark. Give Connor a follow uh, at uh, C underscore Clark underscore 27. That's it. That means just three underscores, man. Uh, We underscore a lot of things. You know, questions I got. I mean, my mind's been going 100 miles per hour with Nebraska football and just what what Saturday is going to look like. What's your interest level? So I kind of gauge interest from the, the younger demos off of my kid, Junior. Monkey, a.k.a. Jeeves, whatever nickname I like, I feel like calling him. And this season, and you can paint me as a horrible father just based on what you hear four to six every day, but in reality, my situation's a little different with just the work part where I'm super excited to be able to, to cover, do shows, right? This beats working, and I mean that a thousand percent sincerely. So I have not taken him to very many Nebraska football games. It's a far cry from from what my brother and I were blessed to have growing up with my mom and my dad, and that's from 88 through my my first seven freshman years of college. Like, up until that point, it was our family Saturday outing. I've said this a lot, but that was that was what we did. We had a good time. We'd go to bowl games. It was wonderful. And with him, like, I, I think I cheaped out and I took him to Idaho State a thousand years ago. Uh, and then he'd go with some buddies and I make sure he gets to Michigan State when they're in town because he has green crap all over his walls. And then him and his buddies now, now that they're freshmen in high school and they're playing ball, they want to go. So it's not, hey, get me a Marcus Mariota jersey back in 2012, 2013, because that's who he watched when he was in the infancy of becoming a sports fan. It's now, oh, man, uh, this is really cool. He's gotten to go with my mom for the Michigan game in Northwestern, and he's going with some buddies this weekend are going to try. 
and, and so there's there's some interest. A the the freak show that is Ohio State. So he wants to see that, but he also wants to see, you know, what Nebraska is because he's fourteen, going to be fifteen, and he's like, well, man, they they've been close, and that's where I want to start. Is is this this conversation has now gotten uncomfortable with with the end of the year with the reality of a is a change going to be made i i hate that because every four to five years we have this discussion it feels like with nebraska football and and like listen i know that they need to, to finish out the right way that means you probably need to win two out of three if they don't but they look good as in hey you're right there against wisconsin who Probably will win the West. It's them or Minnesota, and and then Iowa. Even if Iowa fades, they're still a bowl team. They're still seven. It's a win you've been wanting as a Nebraska fan. It's been lacking. You're you're on a six game losing streak to the folks from Iowa City. If if you get two out of three and you play well, you get another close Michigan moment or Michigan State moment, or maybe it's maybe it's ten points, or maybe it's two halves against Ohio State like last year versus just the first half. that You were right with them as the three-point ball game, and then guess what? Something bad happened. They hit a big pass. Uh, I, I think you can see progress. But as a Nebraska fan right now, where are you stuck at That that is swaying your take? Is it remembering... What they did against Oklahoma, Michigan State, Michigan. You're going to turn the TV on at 6 tonight. And you're going to see all three of those teams in the top 10. You're going to see two of them in the top five in Oklahoma and Michigan State. And you're going to see Michigan hovering right there. And you're like, oh, <laughs> those could all be wins. I know that the, the coulda, coulda, coulda part is is tired. But it's it's true. So who are they? Are they the team that that can't beat Minnesota, Purdue, Illinois to you, the fan, as you as you look at 2021 to this point? Or are they the team that that almost knocked off OU and Norman was a better directive to a punter in East Lansing? Or if your quarterback doesn't get jacked and fumble at the 50. I mean, it's that's the conversation. That's what Trev's trying to weigh out here, assuming Trev's trying to weigh out. And the other question here, too, is if you're Trev, do you come out and say something? Because from a recruiting standpoint, the class is what it is already. But Nebraska's going to have to put some, some dishes back in the cupboard. So... All right, you you extend him. Uh, hold on, not extend him. He gets a, a year five, and and year five goes okay. So there's a year six, right? So this thing works. So there's not constant change and turnover with your head man. You got to say something at some point. And if you're Trev, you're you're just watching. You want to see him continue to 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 play well. You also need to see that translate into wins. And with Nebraska football, I it's such a tug of war, Connor, because I I think of how well they played, not perfectly, against some of these big dogs. 
Nebraska seems to be the 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 team in college football where nobody plays a perfect game, but every mistake Nebraska has ends up screwing them. And it's it's a bigger question as to why they lost. You know, are you a Nebraska fan that's okay with another year of frost? I am. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it. And even if we talk three and nine, how does the nine look? And I know some Nebraska fans right now are going, you're crazy, you're nuts. But I just think this is the ultimate test of patience, right? Dude got a long runway. Dude got a big contract. Dude got a long contract. And I think you just got to gotta stick with it with the growing pains and pray that the learning curve gets fixed. And it can get fixed with a different offense, with some different assistance, and some grinding. I mean, that that's kind of where I'm at now. You can't get this team can't quit. If they quit, that that sways majorly in whether you stick with this. Yeah, it, it's a very difficult situation to kind of put yourself in, and I feel like Husker Nation here is going to be pretty divided when it comes to the future of Scott Frost and how you, you think are. of this team. You, you, you are divided. and You're as divided as losing three games as a favorite to, damn, they almost beat Michigan, Michigan State, and and um, Oklahoma, right? And, it's and, and, like, and that's the conversation right now. And what do you remember? The good or the bad? <laughs> I feel like, I, at least for me personally, I would remember the good more if the good was happening now, because you have those close wins against very good opponents that are all going to be in the top ten, top fifteen come tonight in the selection show for the first time mm-hmm. for the college football playoff this year, but. The fact that this is a Nebraska team that has lost to Minnesota and Purdue with a bye week. are both going to be bowl teams. They are, but they are both they, – they're, they're the, the bye week was sandwiched in between them. You're, you're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against Purdue. Now, will, is that line accurate? Who knows? Personally, I didn't think it was. But yeah, Nebraska's, Nebraska's not a touchdown favorite over anybody. No, I, I completely agree. Period. But if – say the last two games were those one-score losses against Michigan Michigan State and Michigan, I would feel a lot better about where this team is at and a lot better about Frost's job security rather than losing to Minnesota bye week, coming off of a bye week, and then losing at home to Purdue. You can't, you can't drop either of those. Right. And, and it's been this, the, the same story next verse. Coming up on the show, we just kind of dove right in. Uh, Mitch Sherman's 10 minutes away. We will talk about that whole issue with Nebraska getting over the hump and why it hasn't happened. What's Trev thinking? Let's let's dive into the mind of an athletic director and successful head coach. And oh, by the way, a lot of guys that is part of are part of his coaching tree are names you hear for different openings around the country. Barry Alvarez with us at five o'clock uh, get barry's take on the state of nebraska and then we'll spend time a tuesday with kaz rick kaczynski lived it man he's lived it where he, and i'm not comparing trev to to the shermanator i am not i promise you that but at some point for the sanity of of the coaches that are there coaching and then the recruiting and the assistants and the head man you got to eventually make a decision and back to the, the opening ramble here about, you know, my kid and he wants to go see the game. Are you going to find something to do? 
on a, on a 60-degree November day other than football, if you're a Nebraska football fan? Because I... There's, there's no criticism if you're going to go try and play golf. I get it. You've seen enough. You've seen enough pain. You're, you're done. And people have been done and then back on the wagon and then been done because that's what type of season it's been. Let's hear a little bit from Coach Lubick here on uh, the play that, that kind of changed things, and it was a play that was not made. That's the other thing for Saturday is you had the captains address the team. Somebody's got to step up and make play. There's got to be a spark. There's got to be a spark by your quarterback, by your your NFL corner, by one of your linebackers, by the pride of Scott Spoth. I'm just naming names right now. Where somebody's going to have JoJo Doman, man. JoJo Doman sparked that Nebraska defense in 2018 with a strip sack, along with Luke Gifford. You need someone, Omar Manning. Omar Manning and Betts. If, if Adrian's got time and isn't getting crumpled into a little piece five yards behind the line of scrimmage, somebody's got to make a play against Ohio State and flip this for the good of the uh, the program against an Ohio State that you can play well and, and continue to gain confidence. That's the thing about Nebraska is they've, they've, they've gotten better, they've been closer, their confidence is better, and they still don't find the finish line. So now, you know, where, where are they on that, what side of the fence are they on confidence-wise after you drop they need a beer, and they need a cigar, and they need a steam. They've been through the ringer. Uh, Lubick here uh, when it comes to uh, Adrian and Toure at the end of the half. They make that play. You're not pissed about Purdue because Nebraska beats Purdue. What happened with it? Here is Coach Lubick. Yeah, that, that was a tough one on the long pass that he was open. Um, he was the first one to say that he, he could – he could have made the catch. I think it was a little bit of the sun, and he kind of lost it a second. Uh, and but he, he could have laid out, you know. But I think he did. He said he lost it for a second. And then the and then the biggest thing too, though, is we got we got to hit. We got to get and Adrian to be the first guy to say this too. We got to give him a catchable ball. You know, when you have a guy beat by three yards, we got to give him a more catchable ball. So it was it was a combination. But Samari should make that catch, and uh, and we got to give him a little better ball. Last thought from from Lubick here on on the missed touchdown he expands a little bit further. It, it, it's it's not a one way street, and you were in the stands or you were on your couch or you were on a patio watching that play not happen again. Somebody not making a play versus somebody making a play. I mean, it, it's up to the players at some point to make it happen, and you know. I thought Toure could have dove. I thought Adrian could have thrown a better pass. Adrian's throws were not great all day. And I'm going to go back to he ain't 100%, so he's off. And that is affecting his accuracy. More from Lubick here on, on that missed connection. Yeah, it could have been a little more catchable, you know, and uh, I also think it, it was catchable to some point, but the same thing, when, when you got a guy – 
I think it was three yards of separation, you know, give or take the yard. It's pretty, I mean, the whole stadium saw you pretty open. I mean, th- those are the ones you just want to complete, you know, and, uh, and we, and we got to complete those. Could he have made the catch? Yeah. And he'll say that too. Um, and so it's kind of a, you mean, you don't, you don't, you don't you're not blaming anybody. It's just like, Hey, we got to, we got to complete that. Got to make it a little bit better, give him a little better chance. And at the end of the day, we got to make the catch. So it's Toure, your team's leading receiver, that's got to make a play like that against Ohio State. It's your quarterback who's been there 40 years. It's got to make a better throw against a team like Ohio State. And uh, we'll have a little bit more from Coach Lubick. He got into the, the quarterback battle. Last time when we talked about this this Frost big picture discussion, because it's, it's what is the topic of conversation now, right? The torches are lit. Is he back? Isn't he back? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, you can go either way uh, based on how you finish if you're Trev Alberts. Mitch Sherman's on the way. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! A couple more thoughts from Coach Lubick and Coach Beckton today. Barry Alvarez coming up. Uh, Barry Alvarez here in about 30 minutes. Rick Kaczynski, we welcome in uh, with The Athletic. It's Mitch Sherman. We love talking to Mitch. You can find him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, how's your Tuesday, man? Thanks for the time. Mitch, do you have me, bud? Well, yeah, he's opening his car door. Why don't you uh, touch base with him for me, Connor, and let's get this figured out. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Some emails to get to, and uh, can also uh, fire us up on Twitter, uh, at Schmidt underscore radio, and uh, uh, email is uh, chris at hailvarsity.com. So we will get uh, Mitch... Figure it out here. Mitch, do you have me, bud? You doing? Hey, I'm good. Now, hey, we have Mitch Sherman. This is great. Mitch, how's your Tuesday, man? Oh, it's nice and sunny. I saw a dense fog over Memorial Stadium this morning. That was, uh, I wasn't expecting that as I, as I drove into town, but coming down 180, couldn't even see the, uh, uh, the old gray lady, but uh, I think things were better uh, later in the afternoon. It's yeah, it was super foggy this morning, and then it's cleared off a little bit. Uh, is that a sign? All good, all Mitch? good up by eighty here. Mitch, is know, that a sign? That's, that's <laughs> kind of what I was thinking. That's that's that was my thought. Was, What's this fog? But it but it cleared, it lifted. So maybe that's maybe that's also a sign. So a lot to get into: Purdue, Ohio State quarterbacks, the. Future of Frost, all of that stuff. Mitch, I want to start with with Trev Alberts, and I'm just wondering: is after Saturday, whatever happens, does does Trev need to to say something? I know he was on his radio show last week or two weeks ago. Things are starting to blur for me, uh-huh. but uh-huh. He, he said, you know, I'm proud of the coaches, and uh, you know, he's he's seen some progress, and they've been competitive. But then, yeah. you know, that was pre-Purdue. It was. We're all trying to dive into Trev's mind, I guess, is where I'm going. And, you know, what, what is, is his timeline and thought process? I don't know his timeline. Uh, that, was, that was last week. That was right before Purdue. You know, he did make the comment in that interview 
that he would be very surprised if Nebraska didn't play well against Purdue, and that didn't happen. So I, I, I'm curious about uh, how it may have altered his view on the situation uh, as it's unfolding now nine games into the year. Um, I, I, I don't know his timeline, but I, I do know that you know from hearing Trev, from talking to Trev, that he – very badly wants this to work. Uh, you know, I think that I, I think that's understood by most people. But then, knowing the history with Nebraska football and athletic directors who come in and evaluated coaches, I, I do think it, it it is important to say um, more so than any first year AD that has been in that chair at Nebraska ever in this situation. I mean, I, I can't speak for the 1950s, but, okay. um, <laughs> but going, but since then, well, I can't speak for personal experience from the sixties or most of the seventies either, but I do know the history there and it was generally good with Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne. Um, there weren't few, uh, with those two in, in the coach's seat. Um, he, He's a, he is of a different mindset than just about any, any of his predecessors or any of his predecessors in modern history in that he is rooting for this thing hard. He wants it to work. He is in Scott Frost's corner. That's not to say that it is going to work. We don't know. Um, right now, the last couple of games, it's trending in a bad way. Um, coming out of the Michigan game, things were looking okay despite those three losses against top ten teams. But – uh, Minnesota, we know, went in a, in, a, in a different direction than what Nebraska had shown through the first couple of months of the season. And then Purdue, uh, I would say maybe even more so because it was at home where Nebraska had played well and you had the four turnovers, you know, the four interceptions, um, the difficulty stopping a Purdue running game that – hasn't shown itself at any point this year to be potent. Uh, Purdue had only, has only now had a better rushing day against UConn uh, among its 2021 opponents than, than Nebraska. So I, I don't know where, where he's at. I, I think he's, he's, he's probably in, in wait and see mode and um, it, it, you know, he's never been, Trevin, in his short time as athletic director, has never been one to to go quiet. Um, it's not like he's out there doing interviews and, and radio shows every week, but he's generally spoken up when when asked to do that. And I think perhaps an opportunity will, will arise again after this Ohio State game, just because of the nature, the natural ebb and flow of the schedule. It's a bye week next week, so uh, two games left. Um, I imagine people are going to want to hear from him. Well put. With we were starting off, you know, I'm gauging, you know, my household and my my teenager, who hasn't grown up going to Nebraska games like I did. He 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 loves to go and watch this team. They're exciting. They're maddening, and he's not to the point where he's heartbroken if they law if they lose. He's not quite there like on the on the on the crazed fan spectrum yet but he 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 likes what he sees and he's like man 
<laughs> they just keep screwing up. I'm like, yeah, I know. And but he but he wants he was hitting me up for 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 seats for for Saturday, right? So that's hey, he's an important part of the constituency. That's the next generation of fans. Those are the guys that those are the, the men and women. And my daughter's in that same in that same demographic as, yeah. a, as a high school freshman, and she, you know she's glued to the TV every week and you know texting me during the game. Same, same kind of sentiment, like you know, hey, why does this keep happening? Um, so I think young people are like that, and and you know, all all kidding aside, like those are people of of their age and and slightly older that that matter a lot yes. to to Trev Alberts because they're his they're his students, his their future students. Um, you can't have apathy from yeah. that from that demo. And and their future season ticket holders. These are the people who are going to reap the benefits of this stadium vision, that uh, this change stadium vision that 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 he has. So um, it's not just us, the old old guys uh, who who matter in the uh, you know in the grand scheme of this. It's it's a comp- it's a complex formula and uh, and decision process ahead for for not just him but for the leadership at the university. It is, and I'm I'm interested to see what what's kind of going to be the memorable part of 2021 is you've had an elevator season. Mitch, do you think about the near misses against the teams that are going to be in the top five and top ten tonight with the playoff reveal, or is it the Purdue and Minnesota and Illinois missed opportunities? Well, let's see where these next three go because I think that's going to be what balance, you know, what, that's what, what, tips uh, it. what pushes it from one to the other. Right now there's kind of a balance. you got these three – uh, losses against top ten teams by single digits or one score, and then you got these three additional close losses, but to teams that are that are that are nowhere near where Nebraska would view Michigan or Oklahoma or or here in this year undefeated Michigan State. Um, nothing against Minnesota, and they're they're sitting up there near the top or might be at the top mm-hmm. of the Big Ten West right now, but we're not mistaking them for Michigan or Oklahoma or Michigan State. Um, it was a game that Nebraska could have won if it had played a full four quarters, and the same thing with Purdue and obviously Illinois. So they're they're um, you know they're kind of like they're kind of it's kind of like a, a teeter totter right now. And on one end you got those three games, on the other end you got the, the the three close losses. And I think these next three, you know, they're going to go on one side, and 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 the the the, the seat's going to go to the ground, and that's the, that's the side where this thing's going to land, and, and you know, I think and, and Trev will make his decision accordingly. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, quarterback play has been uh, a source of frustration for Nebraska fans. It's also been a kind of a wow factor this year, too, uh, when we, we keep with the teeter-totter theme. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested here after last week with with adrian's tough day does does nebraska look to to make a change if it's not better quarterback play from adrian do they do they give a a guy like smothers a shot because uh as great as adrian has been for you uh there's been some missteps and, and that can happen with any quarterback i get it but uh are they more open to it do you think or is it not not likely not likely um, I wouldn't say it's impossible on the fact that Scott Frost, uh, you know, acknowledged on Saturday that he thought about the possibility of inserting Logan Smothers, I think was um, a window into, into his mind. But we've also heard him come out and dig his heels in on Martinez. I, you know, I think a lot of things factor in this. Uh, among them, 
that he that he put Adrian through that a year ago, and he benched him once, and Adrian was there to come save him when it didn't work with Luke McCaffrey. It's tough to do that, I think, to a guy twice. Now, I mean, if you're pretty cutthroat and it's just a, a business, I mean, if you're running an NFL organization, then that's not a problem to do that kind of a thing. Hey, we benched you once, we'll bench you again. I, uh, that is not how Scott Frost sees this, and that is not how Scott Frost views his quarterbacks, in part, I think, because he has been in that seat. And i got to imagine that there, there, were, there have been instances over Adrian Martinez's career, and even as recently as this last game, where Frost has flashed back to his own experience as a quarterback at Nebraska, and it has impacted the way that he's handling this. He wants to give Adrian Martinez, and he even said this yesterday, every opportunity to finish this with some kind of redemption. And I don't mean finish his career because there's always the possibility that he could be back next year, but finish this troubling, difficult fourth season with some kind of redemption to give him a shot to be able to walk out of that stadium at the end of the season and say, I did this for my team. I won this game for my team. I think Scott draws back on his own experience at Nebraska and how that shaped his life and knowing that he went out with a huge win, uh, one of the biggest wins in, 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 in Nebraska history, and he was right there to, to engineer that thing. And this is, this is Martinez, who was his, his guy, his premier recruit. The first call that he made on the day that he was hired at Nebraska, he wants to give him that experience. It means a lot to Scott Frost to be able to do that for Martinez and send him out that way. Uh, so, <laughs> no, I don't think they're going to they're gonna go to Logan Smothers unless it's just painfully obvious that it has to be done. Mitch, I need one more minute. I'm down to 20 seconds. Can I hold you over for for a quick follow question? Is that okay? Yeah, that works. All right. Mitch Sherman, hang on the line with us. It's a Tuesday Hail Varsity Radio. Mitch with The Athletic. Uh, We'll continue Hour 1 right after this. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Some comments from Ryan Day on the Big Red in a moment. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic is hanging on with us here. A second segment with Mitch from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. So, Mitch, uh, last thought, and thanks for uh, being patient there. Nebraska does what Saturday? I'm not asking for score. I'm just asking for competitiveness. What What do you think you see from Nebraska on Saturday against Ohio State. We know the line. We know what Ohio State is. We know they're going to be ranked in the top four or five tonight in the playoff committee. And uh, we know that they, they are unfazed, man. They are the they are Terminator 2. They are they just roll into places and, yeah. and rock people. Uh, all that said, I think maybe the team rallies for Scott. Uh, you never know. It's a, it's a home game. We'll see what the attendance looks like uh, between freshmen in high school and others, right? And yeah, uh, what's uh, what's your what's your gut say here on a, on a Tuesday? Well, I think Ohio State is the second best team in the country. I don't know if that's where it's going to be tonight on the on the rankings. Um, if if the committee does things like we've seen in the past, and there are seven new members this year, so we don't know. But uh, if it does things like they do in the past and they kind of discard the records and don't worry about the undefeated versus the one loss, um, you may see Ohio State slide into that second spot. Probably not. That's probably a little bit high with the loss to Oregon and not a mark. 
a marquee win of of you know the the you know over a top, a top five or ten team. But uh, I think this is a great team, um, and they and they were young at the beginning of the year. Obviously, with C.J. Stroud, and I mean Travion Henderson. Looked at him in the Minnesota game when He's he got awesome. into the game, and it was like, okay, this is the guy. This is, and, and that's what everyone said in the offseason, too, the freshman running back. He should be getting all the carries, and now he is, and he's really, really, really good. The best back, I think, by quite a ways that Nebraska will face this year, and I'm including Kenneth Walker in that, who, who might win the Heisman Trophy. So um, defense has got their, their work cut out for them, and, and, and then some. And I didn't even mention – um, maybe the best offensive line uh, out there, and two of the best receivers in the country in Olave and Wilson. So uh, it's not a great matchup for Nebraska because Ohio State's strength is its offense. Nebraska's strength is its defense. Um, I think Ohio State's going to score points, um, and I think Ohio State's defense is good enough with the condition that Nebraska's offense is in to, to hold the Huskers down and, and, and maybe uh, make, make you know, force some turnovers again. If Purdue can do it, then Ohio State probably can. Adrian has got to take a step forward from last week. Um, I do think there's spite left in this team. Um, we've seen really no signs that that, that, that part is going away, um, and they're at home. So maybe they'll muster something up and, uh, and make this a competitive game. But uh, Ohio State, is, if there's one team on the schedule, um, you know, and I would have said this at the beginning of the year too, if there's one team and one game on the schedule that um, is poised to get out of hand for Nebraska, most likely for that to happen. Uh, this is the one. So look out. They're going to have to play their best. Mitch, we'll see you Saturday. Awesome stuff. Thanks so much for the time today, man. Okay, good to talk to you. Thanks, Chris. Right, there he is, Mitch Sherman with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Mitch will no doubt have a, a story, story later in the week and uh, love uh, spending some time with him. So 20 minutes away from uh, former Wisconsin AD and Husker uh, standout uh, Hall of Famer Barry Alvarez coming up, get his take on the playoff picture, uh, his thoughts on Nebraska, Frost, and, and Trev, and of course, the coaching tree has a lot of big-time branches from Barry, names you're going to hear, pretty much, uh, if things go sideways for Nebraska. Ryan Day uh, spent some time, this posted from 11 Warriors, some, uh, some press thoughts from Ryan Day, he's like, look, Nebraska's film uh, are is impressive. They're very good. He's been impressed with them. They've been doing a great job. This is going to be a battle. This is a very, very good Nebraska team we've got to be ready for. So Ryan Day's turned the old film on, right? And he's seen the good. He's absolutely seen the good. If you're Nebraska, not that you have the same personnel as Ohio State, or I can check that, as as Penn State, but you're you're trying to figure out some things that Penn State did, and Penn State just has dudes. And then Minnesota, early in the year. Your personnel's not that different than Minnesota. So maybe you can mimic that. Let's get to Twitter, at Schmidt underscore radio. That's where you can follow me, uh, at C underscore Clark underscore 27. That's all the underscores. Thomas uh, tweeted in, and uh, some thoughts from him. When it comes to uh, Scott Frost and his future, this staff has fixed slash improved several things. One, uh, a center that was snapping the ball all over the field. Yes, Jurgens is your developmental showcase. That's what Nebraska wanted to do. That's what you've got uh, in in uh, 
Cam Jerky baby. He's uh, he's doing well. Two, special teams was absolutely atrocious. It's better. You made the kicker change. Your punting still needs to be better. 29-yard and a 31-yard kick that didn't flip field position back was costly last week. But you did have a 61-yarder. Nebraska getting embarrassed in helmet games on a national stage. Yeah. I mean, there's been no Melvin Gordon moment this season. That's that's impressive with the schedule. But there's also been no token give me you beat Illinois by 30, you beat Purdue by 27, you, you, you whack the Illini by 35. Again, back to yesterday, how many layups are you missing? Well, you're the layup now <laughs> instead of looking at someone else. Last thought from Thomas. With that said, give this staff a year to two years to replace Adrian with a game manager or somebody better that can actually hit the easy throws to open receivers, not a turnover liability. Tell me I'm wrong. And no, you get you get better quarterback play that cuts down on fumbles and turnovers and interceptions. And Adrian's interception numbers have been fine until last Saturday. His fumble numbers are are brutal. And if you're going to run your quarterback like Nebraska's depended on him for this rushing offense, he's got to be better with the football. Uh, he's kept you in ball games. He's done everything but win you some ball games. And because of turnovers, uh, there's been a lot of help, but he's getting the blame for losing some of those ball games. Back to the quarterback topic. Uh, let's hear from Lubick uh, one last time, specifically on the quarterback discussion point. We touched on, with, on it with Mitch. Here's the offensive coordinator on what he's seeing from Smothers and what he's hearing about Adrian. Uh, the first part here on Smothers and his development. Well, the experience is the obvious, but it's a huge thing. You know, the game reps. Um, uh, you know, just throwing things a little more on time than the other guys because that's experience and reps, um, being a little more confident where to go with the ball. Um, and then and we've seen him make a lot of plays uh, with his feet. It, it's, sometimes it's hard to evaluate the other guys just because they haven't had some of the opportunities. So that that is Lubick uh, on the difference between Adrian and, and Logan, but back to the development part. Question about Logan, you know, I, I just see – just with maturity, I see a consistency and experience and confidence all coming together with him. Uh, just because he's, you know, it's year two in a program. Um, he's, he's got some vital game reps. So he just keeps improving. He keeps improving. So we'll get the take on Adrian here from, from Lubick. We'll wind down hour one, 10 minutes away. Barry Alvarez, Rick Kaczynski. Hale Varsity rolling on a Tuesday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark in today. And don't forget Friday, road show again. We are at the single barrel from four to six, a road show Friday. And they got 250 whiskeys for you. Uh, boat in steak. Yes, and all sorts of goodies, man. Great place to. We got an early early morning on uh, Saturday for an eleven o'clock kick. Uh, I got up close and personal uh, 
viewing, I didn't have any, uh, of their Bloody Marys. So you got an 11 o'clock kickoff, and it's screwdriver and Bloody Mary time, man. Or just a red beer, whatever you want to do. Little Baileys in your coffee. They can take care of you. So you stay warm before that sun hits you uh, in the stadium. Reminder to buckle up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt if used properly. A seatbelt can and will reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. couple of last thoughts. We'll sneak in some Coach Becton as well. But uh, last thought here from Lubick uh, when it comes to uh, where where Adrian's at uh, with the blame game and, and what he provides the offense. Here is Nebraska's OC, Coach Lubick. You know, we talked about changing the quarterback. I, we, we got a lot of confidence in, in Adrian Martinez, and it's, a, it's an unfortunate thing, you know, when, when you're losing – uh, the, the quarterback, you know, takes a lot of blame, and and it's that's football, but it's, it's really unfair because it's it's not it's not it's him, it's it's everybody. It's, you know, it's first we look at ourselves as coaches, okay, and then and then it's every position, you know, and and, and making sure that you know he has the, the guys around him doing the right things and putting him in the best position so he can be successful. Um, you know, he's made a lot of plays this year um, to help us move the football. You know, um, and he's he's made some mistakes, too, just like everybody else. Uh, but that's that's kind of the I, I get it's the nature of the position. And he's and he handled it like a champ. But but Adrian Martinez is our quarterback. And and that's what we're going with. So that's Coach Lubick. Uh, Coach Beckton spoke. And man, Nebraska's tight ends have been elite, not only blocking Austin Allen, Vokalek, but those guys can make plays, and, and Austin has. Vocal can do it as well. See if they get some uh, some mileage on them against Ohio State. Uh, here is Coach Becton. The, the bigger picture here of, of offensive lapses and how it's held the team back. I think the biggest thing for us is we just got to play just a little bit harder across the board, and we got to focus in a little bit harder across the board on every single play. Uh, our lapses – have been killing us. Our lapses have caused us not to execute on plays that we can basically have scored on. I can count four to five every single week. If somebody plays a little bit harder, if somebody has a little bit more focus, we're sitting here eight and one, seven and two, uh, better season, you know, particularly just on offense. Wow. Beck didn't see a lot of football for a lot of decades. So take that with uh, with you. Uh, Coach Burt emails in, says, I'm going to get up close and personal with a bottle of Citron. And uh, he's going to watch the Buckeyes get beaten down. So Coach Burt calling his shot. And, and he may need a new bottle of Citron if he's already calling his shot this early. <laughs> During the week. All right, the Godfather is on deck. Barry Alvarez. Next, Rick Kaczynski on the way. Hour two with Hail Varsity. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Hall of Fame coach, athletic director, and Husker. We say hi to Barry Alvarez. Coach, uh, what's been going on in retirement? How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, keeping pretty busy, you know, doing some things for the Big Ten, advising the commissioner on football issues, uh, doing some uh, speaking, and uh, all in all, uh, been busy what's your schedule like coach with the big 10 uh, when it comes to to your advisor role uh, we'll talk college football playoffs here in a minute but you know what's what's that like month to month for you yeah well it varies uh, on the different meetings uh, the, commissioner warren and i uh, stay in contact uh, we have regular scheduled meetings throughout the week that, w- that we touch base on different issues that are coming up uh you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have calls, different Zoom calls with uh, uh, different administrators uh, on, on those topics, whether it be uh, issues like expansion of the CFP, um, you know, talking about uh, other issues with scheduling, et cetera. Then I'll get on all the calls, the monthly calls with the head football coaches and, uh, and, and athletic directors. Coach, uh, when it comes to the college football playoff, let me get your thoughts, if you, if you can comment. Just, you know, the initial release is, is a little bit later tonight. The Big Ten looks like they're going to be in, in a great spot, obviously, with Ohio State and, and both Michigan schools. Uh, is there some, some programs that have stuck out to you this year? Well, you know, I, I've had a chance to watch Georgia play, particularly defensively. They're uh, they're very strong. They're they're an impressive team. I really think Mel Mel Tucker's done a tremendous job at at Michigan State. I think Ohio State uh, once uh, Coach Day uh, made some adjustments defensively with his staff. Um, they're 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 playing at a different level right now. I think they're an elite team. Um, uh, they've been impressive. Um, I think Michigan's a very good team. We played Michigan. I saw them firsthand. They're a very good team, and that was a heck of a game, you know, that, you know, when you have two really good teams and they, they play a game like that this past weekend that's back and forth, uh, they shouldn't drop too much with that one loss. Uh, that was an impressive, you know, impressive football game. You had, uh, you had much, those, much on Oklahoma or Bama at all? Yeah, you know what? To me, Oklahoma has not been as impressive as some of those other schools Alabama has. Alabama uh, is still a very strong team, uh, you know, losing to a and um, You know, it naturally isn't going to help them, but I don't know if it's going to hurt them that much. Mm. Uh, they, they've been impressive, but defensively they're not as impressive as they have been in the past. Barry Alvarez with us, talking college football playoff, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, I want to get into to the job Mel's done. Mel played for you, part of your first class and part of that Rose Bowl team and saw him in, in Boulder and saw him in, in East Lansing. And I know he did time uh, down in the SEC at, at Georgia. And I mean, what a, what a, what a job he's done. Tell me a little bit about how, how it got done so quick in East Lansing. I mean, they're into year two and they're rolling along. Yeah. You know what? He, uh, he lost a lot of guys through the portal, and and he obviously did a tremendous job in selecting the right people 
who were in the portal that wanted to transfer. Uh, it sounded like his swap out was pretty good. Uh, he has a, a leading Heisman candidate right now in his running back. But, uh, you know, I, that's very difficult to do, bring in all these new guys. If I'm not mistaken, it's 12 to 15 mm-hmm. um, transfers and blend, to blend them with the team that you have, have them buy in uh, right away and be as effective uh, as they've been in, in such a short amount of time. Coach, what's your your read, your reaction to some of the openings that that exist in college football right now? Just the climate coaches face right now with wins and losses. I look at SC, I look at LSU, and even Coach Patterson down at TCU stepping away. Uh, you're a guy that that came and built and also ran multiple programs. You know, what was your philosophy when? when grading out a coach at the end of the year and also understanding what it's like as a player and a coach, what guys that were, were coaching under you were, were going through. Yeah. You know, um, I often wonder, and I, I know the thinking by some of the athletic directors, they want to get an early start on, you know, on, on uh, looking for coaches. Um, I, I always felt it was important. I mean, if you're not, if, if you're going to fire somebody four games into the season, or midseason, uh, or, or with four or five games left, you know, why wouldn't you fire him before the season? It sounds like you might have some, – some of these people may have had their mind made up before the season started. And then, you know, I, I don't understand the purpose, you know, of, 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 of doing it uh, with a handful of games, especially a guy like Patterson, uh, who's been around such a long time and done an excellent job, built that program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, you have to give guys a chance. And if, if they're struggling a little bit, everybody, you know, fans are quick to jump off the bandwagon and be critical. Uh, then as soon as you win a couple games, they're back on the bandwagon. Um, but, you know, athletic directors have to be patient. What, what I always try to do when I had a coach that was struggling, I wanted to see how his team responded uh, after a couple tough losses or if they're struggling, struggling a little, how they respond. And that tell that would tell me, in most cases, whether the coach still had his team or not. Mm-hmm. If they're playing poorly and they're losing, and then all of a sudden they, you know, they come back, they get a little better, a little better, then you know that the coach still has the players. The players are tuned in uh, and want to win, and, and, and you have a chance. Um, but that, that you know, that, that's, that's the thing that I always look for. You know, having been a coach uh, and, and gone through tough losses and, and, and stretches where you lose games, lose tough games. Uh, but I, I want to know whether the coach still has the team's team still listening to him. Barry Alvarez with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, did you ever fear losing a team in one of the years you coached? Um, <laughs> I, 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 um, no, I didn't. You had good communication with them? I did. I, I always felt like I had good communication. Always felt my my coaches had very good communication. The thing that I tried to do, <clears throat> excuse me, is <clears throat> when I hired coaches, I wanted coaches that cared about kids, and I wanted the kids to know that we cared about them, not just as football players, but as people. And uh, open had always had an open-door policy 
always expected my co- players to come through, spend time with me, spend time with the assistant coaches. So I always felt like there was a, a, a good rapport and good communications between all of them, all of us. Barry Alvarez with us. Coach, you're a proud Nebraska grad, uh, all-conference linebacker for Coach Devaney. It's just been tough in Lincoln for for Coach Frost. Uh, Just a number of one-score games against some of the who's who. We just talked about the playoff rankings. Well, a lot of Nebraska's schedule are going to appear tonight. And then some of the other teams in the Big Ten, where you know this as well as anybody, there's no off weeks in the Big Ten. It's been difficult. What's your read on things right now? Of course, Trev Albert's here in Lincoln. What's your feel right now with with where Nebraska's at in year four? Yeah, you know, first of all, I, I think you had a good, you've got a good man in place, someone that understands Nebraska and Nebraska football, and someone that can, you know, say what's on his mind, and people will respect that because he's been there. Uh, my take, uh, I think your, your your team is much improved and you're very close to getting over the hump. What is it about uh, that, that hump, Coach? Tell us about that because you, early on in Wisconsin, you got over that hump. It wasn't immediate, but you guys were, you uh, were, you were steadily what? building. Let me tell you, my second and third year, we, we, were, we were five and six both those years. Had I had those same players uh, for four years, we probably would have won eight games both of those years, maybe nine games, one of them. Uh, we lose games right at the end. I, I can't tell you how many we lost in the last minute. And uh, it comes a time when guys, you know, it only takes one guy on the field that's not sure mm. or is not confident. And sooner or later, the opponent's going to find him or he's going to pop up and it's going to cost you. And, uh, you know, once they understand how to win and expect to win, then those close games start falling your way. Barry Alvarez with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, you've got an impressive coaching tree, of course. Coach Christ doing great work. And what uh, what's kind of led the turnaround, in your opinion, at Wisconsin after a tough start? Your schedule was really difficult as well. Yeah, you know what? Um as I look at it, uh, we really played well last week. Uh, we're, we're making too many mistakes offensively. Um, you know, we're turn, we were turning the ball over. Um, defensively, we've been playing well all year, but we're giving up. I bet we gave up. We've given up more points when the defense hasn't been on the field than we have when the defense is on the field. <laughs> now that's you know, Notre Dame they scored three. Notre Dame scored three touchdowns when our defense wasn't on the field. Two pick sixes and a kickoff return. Now, that's hard to overcome. Man. And, you know, the same thing. I think we've had a couple other pick sixes. You know, they were in games and times when it didn't matter. Um, but still, that's a lot of points that we've given up. Uh, and we've been turning the ball over, which we, it's not – that's not been custom accustomed uh, to how we've played last week. We didn't turn it over, and we forced turnovers, and that was the difference. That's a number. Uh, I knew that they went sideways on Wisconsin against Notre Dame with uh, the, the non-offensive touchdowns, but the the pass rush has been pretty impressive by the Badgers. Uh, you have other assistants or players for you that are now in the coaching ranks. What uh, what sticks out to you about Dave Aranda? What what's special about Coach Aranda from what you remember? Uh, 
I think Dave brought a different uh, style of defense here, uh, a, a little more pressure, a little more multiple. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- think uh, Coach Wilcox, who's Justin Wilcox, who's out of Cal now, uh, was similar. He did some uh, unique things with pressure. Um, but Jimmy Jimmy Leonard has been phenomenal. You know, one of our former players, and you know he was an he, he was a free agent. Uh, if you look at him today, you think he was going to get his driver's test. He still looks like a <laughs> young kid, you know. What do you, uh, what do you, but he's really creative. He's very creative uh, with his blitzes, and he's unique in the style of defense that they play. Is, is he kind of the next? Wisconsin guy to maybe get a look. He his name keeps coming up uh, just because of how well the defense has been performing. They just put it this way: if he wanted to be a head coach, he'd be a head coach. Yeah. He had that opportunity last year. He has opportunities to go to the NFL uh, and, and other places to be a coordinator. But he's got a good situation here. But uh, when he wants to be a head coach, he'll be a head coach. Talk to me about Lance Leopold. He was a GA for you, wasn't he, in the early nineties? Yeah, Lance was here, had a lot of success at Whitewater where he played. He was a GA here. He's a GA for Coach Solich. He was a, and and his, I think his, if I'm not mistaken, maybe his full first full time job was UNO. I think it was. Yeah. So, yeah, Lance is really a solid coach. Uh, did a heck of a job at Buffalo. Built that program up. They had never had any success, I don't think, until he got there, and built them into a really strong program. And uh, I think, you know, if you watch that Kansas team, they're getting better. They're not winning a lot of games, but they're much improved already in his first year. Barry Alvarez with us. Coach, we'll let you go. Just a quick thought. Nebraska, Ohio State uh, this weekend, two weeks uh, from Saturday. Get to come up to to Madison and see Nebraska and uh, Wisconsin. You know, what? What's the the trick, if there is such a thing with with Ohio State this year? How do you how do you stay competitive I, I, with them? I'd take a good look at that Penn State, Penn, Penn State, and, and and go back to uh, Minnesota. The first game that was a that was an even game through three quarters, even into the fourth quarter. Minnesota played them very tough, and then they went on a rampage. You know, uh, after they lost to Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Penn, that study what Penn State did, uh, you've got to do some things offensively. And can't turn it over. Yeah. Can't turn it over. And uh, as I watch Nebraska, it looks like they, you know, they can get big plays. So uh, go in with the attitude that you can win the game. Barry Alvarez, coach, enjoy retirement. Thanks for a few minutes today. Okay, you bet. Good to hear from Barry. Barry Alvarez, there some some pretty awesome thoughts on uh, that coaching tree of his, or or player tree, right? I mean, Mel Tucker, uh, Lance Leopold, Justin Wilcox, Jim Leonard, current uh, Wisconsin defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda, your head coach at Baylor. And then there's Paul Christ, of course, that's coaching whiskey. And good thoughts. We'll uh, get that posted for you on social media. Barry's take on Trev and Frost. Uh, that'll also be uh, on demand, ESPNLincoln.com, the website, and the ESPN Lincoln Twitter. It's a Tuesday, so we'll roll forward. And it is uh, a Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski, 
the uh, life of a coach when uh, that hot seat talk creeps up. Coach Kaz next on Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, and it's uh, Tuesday with Kaz, Rick Kaczynski. Kaz, you wearing eye black? <laughs> no, maybe some little sunscreen, but no, no eye black. I'm but, asking uh, about eye black. It's Ohio State week, man. So, uh, I, I, I got my tail kicked in enough by those guys. I don't want to see them ever again. But Kaz, I want to talk about uh, the elephant that that seems to to live in in Lincoln, and that is the atmosphere with coaching change, the outcry, the frustration, the win, the loss number with Coach Frost in year four. And as you look at Nebraska. What sticks out most to you? The near wins against teams that are going to be in the top 10 of the college football playoff release tonight or losing as a, as, as a Vegas favorite? When you think of Nebraska, what way does the pendulum swing for you? Well, sure. You know, I think when you're involved in it, directly in the eye of the storm you know you're you kind of take things you know week by week by week i'll talk out of both sides of my mouth here in a minute but a win's a win a loss is a loss you know when you go back you look at the 2014 season you know we beat mcneese you know because of a mirror but hey it's a win it wasn't a loss you just we didn't get it done against michigan state i kind of look at things a little bit differently i i liked you know, I guess when you look at the Michigan State games and the Michigan games, I, I just like the way they played, right? And I, th- I think what people saw, what what gave you um, some hope was the fact that they got a little bit better, right? Those were good quality opponents. Obviously, you look at their records, um, Big Ten teams that historically are at the top of their division and win a lot of games. And, man, you, you – really should have won the Michigan State game, should have cut a whatever. And, um, you know, you, you were in a big physical battle against uh, against Michigan. So so what I think you saw, you, you'd say, okay, players got some confidence, staff learning how to call games, getting into a rhythm. You know, they're right there, catch a break, couple got, couple plays here, couple plays there. Things that I think what you saw in those games were, okay, there's things that we can get corrected and win these games. So you felt good about it. Then you come back and Purdue, I mean, don't take anything away from Purdue. And that's always a tough matchup. They may not be the most talented team, but it's a really, really tough, tough matchup. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of how I look at it. I, I don't look at, uh, you know, Vegas. I'm always shocked. The only thing I look at with Vegas is how much they know, you know, it's like, man, I mean, who, who, who the heck is uh, giving these folks information, inside information, because it's it's pretty it's pretty freaky how dead on those guys are sometimes. But I don't, you know, I don't look at, hey, you know, they against the spread and things like that. I'm just kind of looking at this team from, you know, from week to week. And uh, it, it was a little bit disappointing, obviously, last week because you, you thought, hey, that's a game that uh, – that, that they should win on on paper and it's obviously difficult way more difficult and and when you actually have to play the game and all that and but that's always a tough matchup man and and Purdue's coming off a loss Nebraska's coming off two emotional losses just hard getting back in the rhythm I know it sounds like a lot of excuses but you know when I look at a team I'm, I'm looking at them from week to week to be honest with you but when you look at those those opponents that they played well against when I look at that I thought that that was 
kind of who they are, right? Mm-hmm. When you look at who they are, you thought that they were going to have an opportunity to put themselves in position to to win the rest of the games on their uh, on their schedule, and I, I certainly think they can. You know, obviously Ohio State's a tough challenge. I, I mean, that that's you know you're going to have to have some things happen for you. The stars are going to have to align, and they're going to have to make a bunch of mistakes, uh, which which good teams don't, great teams don't, and which they are. But you still got a chance. That's why they play the games. But absolutely, I mean, what do they got left? Wisconsin and, and uh, Iowa. And Iowa. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are two teams that Nebraska have every opportunity to, to beat them, no doubt. And I think that'll be critical and to see how this how this team finishes. You know, I think that's absolutely absolutely critical you know these next three weeks I don't, I don't think you have to win the Ohio State game I think it's just how you come out and play but I do think that you're going to have to win the Wisconsin game and I think you're going to have to I mean you know it's easy for me no skin in the game saying hey, you have to but I think that'll kind of tell you give you a pretty good indication of, of of the identity of this team and who they are moving moving forward if you were to, to, to put the, the headset back on and, and coordinate, right? Say you get a phone call tomorrow, here's 1.5 million. Kaz, come be an offensive coordinator for us. What are you running, man? Do you look at a different scheme versus what Scott has brought with and knows from Central Florida and from Oregon? When you look at the Big Ten, uh, you talk about talk about defense, and I'm not one for statistics. I mean, as well as Nebraska's defense is playing, I think they're 10th through conference games. Yep. You know, when, I mean, the, the, the conference is not giving up a lot of points across the, across the board. Um, when, let's say, you're building a program and you're not, you know, I, I was part of that as a GA. Now I was a slappy that stood in the corner um, that uh, didn't get talked to a whole lot unless I was doing something wrong. But, you know, what, what we tried to do at South Carolina, we, there wasn't one game, including Vanderbilt, that, that we had more talent back in 99. So we, what we said we got to shorten the game, right? And we got to punt. And we got to, you know, we got we to put the, the opponent in position to, to, to make a mistake. Um, and, you know, how, how do you do that, right? You, you make it simple. You line up in the eye. You huddle up. You do things like that. Um, when you're when you're not as talented, or when things aren't working, you, you know you want to shorten the game. You want to shorten the possessions that the opponent has. So, you're asking me, um, you know, as an offensive coordinator, you you got to figure out a way to run the football in the Big Ten, and it's really difficult as you as you've seen the last couple of weeks when you don't have a quarterback that's able to do that. You know, you take away your your most dynamic runs with with Adrian, um, and I think you saw that. You know, then what's your bread and butter? What do you go to uh, when you look at the Big Ten and you look at look at the teams who in the 21st century who've won the conference? You know, they play with a tight end and they play with a with a H back or a fullback. Sometimes, you know, they're a physical running team. And you know, I've said it before, when Urban was in the Big Ten, you know, big misconception, that, that wasn't a quarterback run team. Now, they had dynamic quarterbacks that you had to defend that, but that opened the runs up for the H-backs, you know, for uh, for the fullbacks and for the, uh, for the, for the tailbacks. Uh, I remember when we played them in 2012, like in their backfield, I mean, you had Braxton, Carlos High, they were running a, a, out of 20 personnel. They had a two-back set, and you know, Carlos Hyde was the guy that you were hoping 
got the ball because he was the least dynamic in the backfield. You know, that's how scary it was. They were a physical football team. Uh, you know, you look at Wisconsin when Brett was there. They were a physical, running, tailback football team. You know, uh, Northwestern, tail when they when Northwestern has had success in the league, tailback-oriented. Um, obviously, Wisconsin, the great running back. So I think, you know, if I'm an offensive coordinator, guys, by the time you get to November, late October in the Big Ten, it's cold, the ball's hard, the ground's hard. And you don't want your quarterbacks taking those hits, man. The wind's blowing, the weather's bad. You know, you got to be a, a tailback centric football team. And I'm just talking, I'm not, I'm not talking about Nebraska. You're asking me if I was the coordinator. That's what I do. And heck, it's Nebraska. You guys have had some of the greatest tailbacks to play the college football game in the history of the game. You can't tell me Nebraska can't find a guy. I mean, I'm talking a different, I'm talking a, an Amir. I'm talking a Rex. I, I mean, go go down the list. You can't tell me that there there isn't that guy out there somewhere. That's what I would. That's what I would uh, make the focus of of my offense. You know, I want edges. I like edges. I want tight ends. Give me, you know, so they're they're most talented players. I mean, they got some skill. I really like their skill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I like big tight ends in November. I like those long edges. You know, make that stretch, stretch that defense, you know, get that defense running sideways and get a back to make one cut, cut it, you know, stress, figure out ways to do that. You know, I just like edges in the big 10 and I like tailback central uh, centric offenses. It's just, it's just too physical of a conference, uh, too big, too physical and too smart. I mean, these coaches, the big 10 is, is the best coach conference in the, in the country bar none and you know what after that first year those guys got there in that spring with adrian said we're not gonna let that dude do that stuff to us anymore and not pay a price you might they might they might let you do it but they're not gonna let you do it without having to pay the pay the piper so uh you know what what, what defensive coordinators do is hey how, how do we get licks on uh, on their best player on offense and as an offensive coordinator you want people to have to defend that to keep them honest but you don't want that to be the primary focus especially in a league like the big 10 rick kaczynski's with us tuesdays with kaz hail varsity radio kaz what um was your experience on the recruiting trail in the midst of of thirteen and fourteen, uh, how difficult was it when the oh, noise it got when it, when the noise got loud and you're trying it's to awful. trying to land a kid? It's just detrimental, and it, it cannibalizes your program. It's detrimental to the development of your program. You got to have you got to have an AD come out and say, "Hey, you, you are or you aren't," because it's just going to absolutely, absolutely kill your recruiting. And you know. Mel Tucker, I mean, the stars align. That's never going to happen. I, I guarantee that won't happen again in, in, in college football. It happened. I remember it happened with Jackie Sherrill. Yeah. I think Jackie Sherrill back in like 2000, 2001 down at Mississippi State, he had about 15 transfers that he got in. And, and let me tell you, they were lights out on uh, on defense. They were un- unbelievable. Had, had, a, had some great offensive linemen. And you know, started to challenge people in the SEC, but you can't build a program that way. You're not going to build a program through the transfer portal. 
uh, you can enhance it. You can't, you can't build it. Um, and you know, Nebraska, just like everybody else that doesn't have a maroon helmet with a white stripe and an orange helmet with a tiger paw on the side or a whatever Georgia color it is with a G on the side, you know, and those guys develop, they just, they just happen. It's a lot easier to develop, um, you know, a kid coming from high school who's six four two eighty and runs a four, six that plays DN. I can, you know, my, my bulldog can freaking develop that guy, but you know, <laughs> you know, but the Iowa's, the Wisconsin's, the Nebraska's, the Michigan state's, you're a developmental program. And when you got to go out there, when a coach has to talk about his job security, it's, it's like rats. Uh, it's, it's like, it's like rats, uh, on cheese man you know everybody's using that against you let's be frank here nebraska has a history of firing coaches so it's real easy to convince people convince a 16 17 year old kid and his mom and dad that the guy who's recruiting you from nebraska probably ain't gonna be there and now and now back to hail varsity radio it, it was a little bit easier in 2013 after the iowa game um when um clown boy came out and said hey you know bo's our coach all that now we could go on the road and say hey see man we're gonna be here. right but but i gotta be honest with you every coach right then and there every assistant coach is looking for a new gig you're weighing your options because the most important thing right there when they start talking about job security you're talking about family security you know coaches want years man you know when you start talking about job security and all this when you got to start hitting a home run you, you strike out a lot so for every impact guy that you're going after when your job's on the line for every randy gregory you know there's there's 20 that aren't even in the that, that aren't going to get on the field when you look at college football, and I, I, I think even nowadays, the, the, when you look at the portal for as many walkers there are, you know, there's quadruple guys that will never see the field. It's just like junior college transfers. So when you're always looking, you recruit different when you don't think you have as many years. So you're swinging for the fences and, you know, you're taking the chance on a guy a lot of times that you don't know a whole lot about it, it's just i i just i just hate it for nebraska i hated it for uh when, when we were there because I, I saw it had the davis twins and you know we got uh, the neil kid out of omaha which i still i can't believe he was i i um yeah I'm a, there's no way that kid wouldn't have been a player for me there's absolutely no way that kid wouldn't have been a player in our defense um and there's no way that the Davis twins would have would have made it past the the third round was was kept over. I mean, the commits that we had, we had some classes going. It was amazing the job that staff did with those classes, um, you know, under under those pretenses. But, uh, you know, we put it together and, you know, we felt when we had the support and the backing that Nebraska was a pretty easy place to recruit to. If you're Trev, do you come out and say, look, you're back or can you afford to do that? And then you get into the. God forbid an opening, right? If things really just blow up, and Trev says, "Man, I'm I I know that I'm treating this like year one, but there's been four years, and I just don't see it getting any better." People will answer a phone call from Nebraska, but it ain't like it used to be. I guess is my take. No, no, absolutely not. And I mean, you got to understand as a coach, you know what what a what a coach thinks about is okay, my staff. Who who can I get to go there? Right? You want to get the best, right? So. You know the best right right now they're they're at a place where they're winning 
Yeah. All right. They're at a place where there's a recruiting base. Um, you know, I mean, James Franklin, I think he's done a good job. Uh, not, a, not, you know, I know they've tailed off a little bit. He's a quarterback away from being great there. Yeah. Um, you got 12 million people in the state of Pennsylvania and it's a football state and you're surrounded by, you know, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, uh, Ohio. I mean, you know, you touch some, some populous states and in your own state has over 12 million people. Um, you know, you look at Ohio state, you got 11 and a half million people in the state of Ohio. You know, it coaches want to be where there's a recruiting base. Cause it's difficult, man. It is difficult to get kids to, to go far away from home. Now it's just, it's just hard. It's just like, you look at Notre Dame, man, it's a tough place to recruit. They can get a kid to visit, but it's really hard to, to, to close there. And they're doing a great job recruiting, but man, it's hard. You know, they're not beating, they're, they're rarely going to beat Ohio, uh, Ohio state on a kid in Ohio. I mean, they're rarely, rarely, rarely are they going to do that uh in uh, in same thing you know florida kids they, it takes a, it takes a special in, the, in a different kid and so you know coaches who are at places that have recruiting bases uh, coaches that you, know, you got to think about your staff who can i get it's not just bringing this great coach in it's who's he bringing with them is his staff going to come with him? You know, can he get this coordinator to leave? You know, can you get this coordinator to leave Georgia? Or can you get this co-coordinator to leave, you know, Texas or something like that? You know, I, so you're, you're constantly looking at that. And quite frankly, as a coach, you're sitting there saying, man, I'm their fifth coach. Man, they hired, they fired Frank Solich, who won 10 games, played for a national championship. They fired Bo Pelini, won the division three times. Won ten games, three. Oh, shoot, Mike Riley was here. What two years, two and a half years? Now here's a guy Frost. It's like, wait a minute. You know these guys were all great coaches before they got there. Okay, so at some point you have to say, huh, man, Scott Frost could have coached. He could have named the job when he left UCF, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Bo Pelini had UNC, he could have went any when he was at Nebraska, had Penn State, had Miami, had Arkansas. I mean, you know, he's a well-respected coach. Obviously, Frank, uh, I mean, these are good coaches. So so don't think that just Nebraska made bad decisions on bad coaches, right? You know, Scott Frost went undefeated. It's hard to go undefeated in, in fifth-grade parochial football, let, a, let alone, you know, let alone in college football, man you know, over a 13 week period. I mean, that are 12 week, how many 13 weeks. I mean, so, you know, these guys didn't forget how they, a lot of things have to line up, man. And, uh, you know, so, you know, thinking you can pick up the phone and just this guy, you know, who are you going after right now? So I think there's, you a, know, there's the a, there's a, there's a wish list and then there's reality, right? Yeah, I mean, it's reality. And, and I, and I don't think, and I mean, I'm not knocking fans, but you know, when your co- coaches talk to coaches, Right. I mean, there's a there's a stigma, guys, on on coaches going to coach at Nebraska, because if you don't think there's a stigma, it's going to be Scott for hard for Scott. Here's a guy that four years ago could have named his job and it'll be hard for him to get another job. This is you look at Bo. Here's a guy. Here's a guy that could have went any any job that came open when he was at Nebraska through 2013, his name was his, he was involved or got offered. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank played for a national championship. I mean, and these guys had a hard time, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard, man. 
you know, so, so if you don't think coaches look at that type of stuff, you're, you're absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. You're, you're crazy. And, and, and that, you know, hell, throwing money, money's great, but you know, you, you throw, you know, guys want to win football games. Guys want years. Guys want to bring who they want. And, you know, everybody's under a fishbowl, but you know, guys don't want to go somewhere where it's just absolutely ridiculous, you know, where you're six games in and they're talking about if they hired the right guy or not. And, and I know that's not the majority. I know that's not, I mean, I know that's, that's clowns on message boards that give themselves fake names that never made a tackle in their life. I, I know that, but you know, but what happens is, you know, with, with some of the media and some of the negativity that permeates into the locker room, it permeates into the conference room and it just really, really makes the job a lot harder. I promise you. So, you know, who you, you know, so if I'm Trev, you know, I'm not and heck, I mean, I like whatever decision he makes, it's going to, it's going to be the right one. And it's, it's going to be his decision, but you know, the way I look at it, okay. You, you fire coach, Fra- who are you getting? Who are you getting? You know, at some place, at some point, you know, if I'm divorced four times, I can't keep blaming my ex-wife's saying, you know, at some point maybe I should look at me and say, huh, maybe this has something to do with us, right? right. So, you know, you, you had some good coaches there. They were great coaches before they got there. They, You know, I, I find it hard to believe that they're all just bad decisions and, and bad coaches just because, uh, you know, after they, after they left Nebraska. You better have a pretty good idea and realistic idea of of who you can get and who they're bringing because let me tell you when you're coaching in the big 10 you better bring some elder statesmen that know what the hell they're doing that been in the arena that been in those type of games that been in that type of grind for for 12 weeks in that league miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. I just, I just hate it for Nebraska. I hate it for the staff because it, it just, uh, I've been there. It sucks. It sucks for the families. I don't care if you make $10 million a year when you got to uproot a seventh grader or a 10th grader, you know, or pull a kid out of preschool and, you know, find to sell your house in January in Lincoln, Nebraska. It, it ain't fun, man. It ain't fun. So, uh, you know, I've been there. You know, it sucks. It sucks. So I just don't like that kind of talk. But, uh, you know, what the hell? I mean, he's a Nebraska guy. They've shown signs of hope. But just, you know, God, you, you got to – I just really think at this point something needs to be said so you just don't recruit – kill your recruiting class because – Right now, it's just low-hanging fruit for other universities to go uh, go after Nebraska. Kaz, real quick, bud, and this thanks so much for being uh, open with with your experience on things, man. How does this thing get uh, get to become a party again Saturday about three <laughs> thirty? <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, you know that's why you play the game. Hey, Ohio State. I mean, they're they're playing good, but they're you know they're not they're not perfect. I mean, they're not perfect. I mean, you just that's that's what's great about college football, man. That's you just don't know. I mean, you don't know, and uh, so you know, you know, get everybody's tail out to the game. 
you know, support these guys and, and, uh, you know, let's see what happens, man. Make it, you know, make it tough. I, it's not going to be an easy game for Ohio state. I can't, I just can't see that the thing that, um, I'll say this about Nebraska that was different from, from the, from Scott and coach Wright. Mm. I hadn't seen I hadn't seen these guys quit. All right, I mean I hadn't seen them. You know, obviously you want them to play better, and I've said that talking to folks. At some point, some players got to make plays, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're playing solid on defense, but they need a dude to like make a play. Right? They need a guy to like you know blow a running back up on a you know. I mean, they need a a, a pick six. That you know, there needs to be a spark, right? They got to get more out of their, you know, their captains playing, playing better, right? The players at some point got to play better, right? And I get, I get, and I, you know, I heard Coach Frost said something or um, about, you know, hey, the, the captains or something like that, and you know, and you know, they do, they they gotta, they they gotta play better, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they do. I mean, it's all everybody's, it's a team. I mean, the coaches, every, I mean, it, we're all one, man. Um, but you know, at some point, man, somebody's got to step up. And I just think like right now, you just don't have enough guys making plays, right? You, you know, Nebraska's what three and six, nobody expects anything to do. Them. You know, Ohio state's got one loss. Um, you know, they gotta, they gotta look good. You know, the pressure's on what the hell they got to travel. They got to come into Lincoln and, and um, you know, I'd, I'd be shocked if this is a runaway win for uh, for Ohio State. So I just hadn't seen Frost teams quit. I've seen I've seen Riley's teams quit. That's for sure. But I hadn't seen yet yet from this team. So when you see that, you got a chance. You're in you're in Lincoln, and you got a football team that hasn't quit. Rick Kaczynski, guys, we'll chat next week, brother. This was awesome. Thanks for the time today, man. You got it, man. Thank you. All right, Tuesday with Kaz. Good stuff from Barry Alvarez to kick off Hour 2. Back tomorrow, 4 o'clock, Hale City Radio, Nebraska-Ohio State Week. Buckeye Insider Tim May, Mike Babcock, and Rick Pizzo. Talk to you at 4 tomorrow.